0: Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedy seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com,
1: we'll talk about women's soccer, dig into gender roles, and dive back into Shakespeare with the 2006 modernization's uh, Twelfth Night, She's the Man. Hey Sophia! Hi Jen, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm doing okay. It's a
0: little cold today, but otherwise doing okay. Like, yes. what have you been up to this week, other than our
1: fine podcast? <laughs> I'm back to uh, running and training uh, for indoors running. Indoors or outdoors? Oh, girl, it's indoor right now. Okay. I'm like, I wish I didn't have to be on the treadmill, but I'm really thankful we have a treadmill. So, yay! <laughs> yeah. What's the temp where you are right now? Do you know roughly? Um oh, something below zero, I think. It's really Samesies, cool So <laughs> it's really cold. Yeah. What do you do besides our podcast? I actually do a little exercise
0: too. Um, my exercise method is YouTube aerobics videos. So like I'll find a song I like and then I'll Google like that song name plus like Zumba or Dance Aerobics. And you can find a lot of good videos that way. One I really like is a channel called The Fitness Marshal. You should check him out. He's he's awesome. And he usually has um, hosts that are like different abilities too. So like he's really fast, but if you can't keep up with him, which I cannot, you keep up with one of his co-hosts.
1: I love that. I love that you went in with the song that you like. You know, like yeah, song. because yeah, you got to be motivated, right? For sure. I might do that on one of my cross train days. How about that? Sounds go. good. I can send yeah. you some too, some links. So. Oh, thanks. Well, let me just say before we dig into sporty kinds of things, yeah. I just want to remind everybody to find us and contact us at everyromcom.com. And we're on social media. We are on Facebook as Every Romcom Podcast and Blog, Instagram at Every Romcom, and Twitter at Every Romcom Pod. I still don't have a Twitter account.
0: It's okay. You don't need to be on all <laughs> of it. I think sometimes people who avoid it are smarter. But you know, if you're already on those things, like come and see us for some like wholesome and fun content. Okay. Yay. Like, yes, some of these like. sites could be soul sucking and people are just arguing with each other all the time. But we're going to tell you where to find the good movies, so you'll be happy. Wonderful.
1: A reason and s- to join.
0: Yeah. And speaking of some good movies, um, we're going to have some great upcoming films. We're going to be doing a travel series. And some of the films are going to include things like Roman Holiday, Crazy Rich Asians, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, and much more. Are you excited to talk about She's the Man? Sure. (laughs) All right. Yes. Yeah, let's get into it. We've got so much to talk about today. So let's get into it with our trailer. Sorry, Mom. I have a strict no-ruffles policy. All I want to do is play soccer. School cut our team. Wait, what? We want to try out for the boys' team. Uh,
1: uh, uh, Girls aren't as fast as boys or as athletic. (laughs) It's a scientific fact.
0: We are so full of... This is not over. You want
1: me to turn you into a guy?
0: I'm going to Elyria. I'm going to make the boys' soccer team there. And then in 12 days, I'm going to beat the Cornwall boys' team. That's right.
1: Now, Viola's going undercover. To prove that
0: she's got game. Okay? Now hakaloogie. I'm so proud. I wanna be a man. In the dorm. I am a dude. There is something odd about that new boy. What up? Seriously, how old are you? I skipped a couple grades. Shh. On the field. Oh, let's
1: go. Kick,
0: kill. What's up? She's trying to be. Isn't he cute? How you doing, babe? One of the guys.
1: Woo. I'm not really good at talking to girls.
0: Why you're hot? What? You know, you're an appealing guy, man, guy, guy man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not actually the official trailer. So I found a tra- another trailer for it, but it like completely misrepresented like the reason that Viola goes to this boys' school. So I switched it out for one that gave the correct reason. Weird. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, she's just trying to escape the debutante ball. And it's like, no, it's because of your soccer team. <laughs> so yeah. 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 I don't know. Get it right. So She's the Man came out in March 17th of 2006. It was directed by Andy Fickman. And the writers are Ewan Leslie, who it seems to be the only uh, uh, screenplay they've written. But also our writers from last week on 10 Things I Hate About You, Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough. So, same writers. And this movie was new to both of us, right? You hadn't watched it before the podcast either? Correct. And had you previously um, seen or read Twelfth Night before we did this for the podcast, or you saw the
1: movie? No, I I watched the movie and read the whole play uh, for this podcast. But as I was reading Twelfth Night, I was like, wait a minute. I've done a scene and a monologue from this from a Shakespeare acting class a million years ago. I was like, Oh, I I know what I'm doing here. So that was, I completely forgotten about that. So that was fun. (laughs) And what about you? You've done some 12th night.
0: I I was a very minor role, like in 12th night in Shakespeare in Busan, the theater company that I founded in Busan. I directed a couple of plays and then my co-director from much ado about nothing put on 12th night and I tried out for Viola. I did not get it. But I I had just a very minor role as like an arresting officer. And I helped out with different things for the play. But like oddly, it's kind of an oddly forgettable play to me, to be honest. I I think some people really like this play, but like Uh it's never been one that's like stuck out super big to me. Yeah. So I guess that tells you my opinion of like the original material. It's not one of my favorite Shakespeare's. I think it has some really good bits of dialogue in it. But yeah.
1: Yeah. How about you? Uh, Yeah. As I was reading it in the beginning, I was like, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it got good. (laughs) It got better. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then I saw, you know, I'm like, oh, this is really funny. Like the first bit, I was rather bored.
0: And um, what, how about the movie then? What is your general impression of She's the Man? And like,
1: you know, how would you rate it? Yeah, like what, out of five stars or something like that? Sure. One and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd give
0: it two and a half. I'm a little more generous than that. Like, um, I think uh, Channing Tatum and Amanda Bynes both have really good comic timing and they make the material better than the writing, which is odd because we both really love 10 Things I Hate About You with the same writers. Right. Right. What happened?
1: (laughs) Um, My guess is uh, some direction. Probably there was a different there was a third hand that I think uh, mm-hmm. might have influenced things.
0: You know, we're going to talk about a lot more than even just the film today. So like just right. because we're like giving a kind of a low opinion of the film, there's so much to dig into with both the play and the movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, stay tuned. We've got a, yeah. we got a lot. We research a lot for this episode and I think you'll enjoy it.
1: <laughs> well, the basic premise of the film is Viola is a soccer player. And she has uh, a twin brother. Um, I don't know how you'd be an identical twin to your brother. They're supposed to to be. I mean, I guess. My mom has a twin brother. And, you know, I guess if you were to like pull their hair back they do have a lot of you know their facial structure is pretty similar
0: so me and my brother look very similar so like even though we're not even twins we're very similar
1: looking so right but we're more similar looking than the actors playing these (laughs) true enough yes yes well okay so viola and her brother sebastian their parents are divorced and that that helps a lot with some you know trickery and all that so viola's soccer team gets Cut at school, and that it's at the same time that her brother is running off to England for two weeks because his band got a gig out there. So he has told Viola, I've told mom I'm gonna be at dad's house, mm-hmm. so cover for me and take care of school for me. Does he ask her to do that? He doesn't ask her to, you like, know, he asked her to like call in sick for him, call her in sick. Okay, yeah. so she covers for him, and he goes to yeah. Elyria Prep. A little bit, instead of calling in for him, once she gets cut and her boyfriend is all like, girls aren't as good as boys anyway, uh, as fast or strong or whatever, she decides to go undercover as her brother, gets her friend, the stylist, to help her turn into a boy and pose as her brother for two weeks, as it said in the trailer, so that she can um, be on the soccer team and beat her ex boyfriend's soccer yeah. team, which I think is awesome. It's not easy for Viola to be a dude and figuring out how that plays out. Duke, Duke Arsino is her roommate. And there's a girl named Olivia, most popular, beautiful girl. They make a deal. Duke likes Olivia and Viola wants to play like on the A-team on the first string of players. Yeah, Uh, because when she tries out, she gets second string instead of first string. Yeah, right. So Duke is going to practice with her and she is going to get Olivia to like Duke or go out with Duke. That's their deal. So everyone gets what they want. But it gets complicated, of course, because Viola starts to have feelings for Duke, even though she has no idea that she's really a girl. And Olivia starts to have feelings for Viola as Sebastian. Mm -hmm. So hilarity (laughs) ensues. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't read Twelfth Night recently. You've
0: read it more recently than I do, but like my my understanding is that in terms of similarities, like the basic romantic setup is basically the same. And like we have, yeah. you know, Viola is dressing as a man, except in Twelfth Night it's what she calls herself Cesario.
1: Cesario, yeah.
0: Yeah, and poses as Duke's servant, the Duke of Orsino. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> in both, she falls in love with the Duke or Duke and In both, Duke is in love with Olivia. We don't really know why. There's not much basis for it. And in both, Olivia ends up falling in love with Viola in her disguise. And there's, in both movies, there's like, in both shows, there's a character named, well, the character doesn't have the same name. There's a character, Malvolio, who's obsessed with Olivia. Um, In the play, it's Malvolio in the movie, his name is Malcolm, and he has a tarantula named Melvolio. Because why not? Why not just Ra- add a wine, Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and both places have a place named Illyria where Viola shows up. How about, like, what did you notice for differences since you're more recent?
1: I mean, I guess a lot. You know, in the play, there's the clown. There's Oh, Feste. yeah, Feste. Oh, he's yeah. such a good character. Yeah, yeah. Probably character. who kind of has this, you know, he does a lot of orchestrating of, you know, getting people in situations and stuff like that. Like, that doesn't happen at all. There's no character like that in uh, She's the Man. Um, what I would say is something... S- interesting I was reading some of the intro you know in mm-hmm. front of the Shakespeare there's always some kind of you know here's what was going on blah blah well according to the blurb that I remember was like you know there's all this revelry and this you know mm-hmm. masks you know everyone's disguised as somebody else and and there's you know drinking and blah blah and all this you know partying kind of thing and I think the film that she's the man did that with the opening scene they're at the beach and there's a you know they're playing around and having a party, and then they go to the carnival. And oh, so yeah, there's the carnival. The carnival scene. And so there's this atmosphere of revelry, which I thought was nice. It probably had this revelry because I guess it was made, um, even named for the
0: celebration of Twelfth Night, which is part of a more traditional Christmas, um, 12 Days of Christmas celebration, where you would have all this revelry and like the Lord of Misrule and all this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Feste's so good, though. Yeah, I forgot. That was my favorite part of that play.
1: Yeah. I And, oh, God, it killed my soul when they turned the camera onto a tarantula. Oh, jeez. I hate spiders. My husband, too. He was, like, not pleased with that. Uh, I'm so pissed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Oh, a few other differences, I guess, from the play. So in the play, Viola thinks that her brother Sebastian has died in a shipwreck. And she's dressing dressing as Cesario, I think, just kind of for self-preservation, right? Because she's alone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Olivia in the play is in mourning because people in her family have died. And so she's, like, against marrying, against suitors. So, yeah, that's kind of her motive for being standoffish. And one more thing. Malvolio is way more important in the play, too. Like, there's a whole thing about tricking him and making him act ridiculous kind of almost. it is very cruel because in she's the man they make malcolm the character who's originally malvolio they make him into like a crazy stalker instead right oh yeah Yeah. that's right yeah so you don't really feel any sympathy for his character you kind of wish he'd get tricked a little bit (laughs) yes anyway like that's that's kind of the main differences they're very different you know creatures these two productions i would say but they both deal with you know the trope of gender bending which has been popular like all throughout history like back to shakespeare's time so, we have um, for this film, we have a director that we're not going to talk a ton about. His name's Andy Fickman. He hasn't done a lot and not a lot in the rom com genre either. He did like Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, Race to Witch Mountain, a lot of TV directing. So, we'll, we're just going to run past him because he's not overall too relevant to the genre.
1: Our writers are the same from 10 Things I Hate About You, also Legally Blonde and The House Bunny. And you and Leslie's, this is their only writing credit, Mm -hmm. otherwise as a producer. And if you
0: want to hear more about these writers, you can listen to the 10 Things I Hate About You episode. Our two stars in the movie are Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. And Sophia is going to dig in a little bit on Amanda Bynes.
1: She was a child actress, started uh, acting about the age of seven, also stage, and she's really big from Nickelodeon. She's one of the Nickelodeon kids, and she had her show, The Amanda Show, uh, from 99 to 2002. Her other big films are What a Girl Wants, TV's What I Like About You, Hairspray, which is awesome. That was in 2007. But, you know... She uh kind of fell out of acting. She didn't like her appearance after Easy A, which was so great. And so she kind of quit. Yeah, acting. do you remember
0: her role in Easy A? She played the in Easy A, she played the uh, Christian uh fundamentalist who's <laughs> who's always attacking Emma Stone. Yeah. <laughs> she was really good in that role. Yeah. Yeah, but she just really she didn't like the way she looked and yeah. And she kinda of decided, yeah, she's gonna quit after that, which is really sad.
1: Yeah, she struggled with mental health stuff and then drugs. She had brush with the law for, you know, DUI, um, a series of erratic tweets during that time period. And and you can people put things out on things like Twitter and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, being conscious that someone is struggling, you know, it's um it's hard to have your breakdown and also be in the public eye. Yeah. But she like, seems to be she seems to be doing well. Um I recently. mean, yeah. Yeah, it's unclear actually. Like I think she's
0: I, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure she's still in a conservatorship under her mom where her mom kind of controls her finances and whether she can marry her fiance. But yeah, she's been going to school, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA. I guess she graduated from there. And you know, she's gotten engaged, but like I think she's still under this conservatorship and it's also you know, like you mentioned, she has mental health issues. At one point she said on Twitter, she was bipolar, but you know, it's, un- it's unclear, you know, it's unclear exactly what extent of mental health issues and addiction that she's dealing with. And I really just hope that, you know, she'll find peace and feel better because like, you know, we all deserve that. And because she just was really a fantastic actress and like people were really hard on her, I think during the period sure. where she's having this breakdown in public, I can't imagine like going through that, those problems. And then also being in the public eye.
1: Yeah. So young, you know, and, yeah. and you know, when part of your, your job is to like be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you don't feel uh, perfect, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a tough, a tough line to walk. So yeah. yeah, good things to Amanda.
0: Yeah. And I really hope it makes, you know, people think about how should we treat people Online, you know, we don't know what struggles they're going through, whether they're famous or whether they're just regular people. We don't know what people are going through. So just treat people the way you'd want to be treated, I would say.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> the golden rule.
0: The you golden didn't rule. know you are getting a PSA on this episode, but you're getting a PSA.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Heck yeah.
0: And our other big star from this film was not a star when the film was released. So at the time, Amanda Bynes was the big draw, she was the big star. And she kind of pushed for Channing Channing Tatum to be in the film. And he wasn't big yet. He had his big breakout role in the same year, but later in the year with Step Up in August of 2006. And he appeared in that dance movie with his former wife, Jenna Dewan. So Channing Tatum has a kind of interesting background because he was a very athletic kid growing up and he did play soccer. So that probably prepared him well for the role. But he wasn't great with the academic side of school. He was dealing with both... ADD and dyslexia. So that kind of like was a problem for him. And he ended up dropping out of college and became a roofer and a stripper for a while. And of course the stripper thing would lead, you know, to his sort of ability to be in the magic Mike movies and just really contribute a lot to that. And he ended up moving to Miami at 20 and he was found by a modeling scout there. And he started getting, you know, music video roles, like uh, just advertising stuff And then eventually this film and Step Up. And a lot of people know him from the Step Up movies, Step Up and Step Up 2. A lot of people, most especially know him from Magic Mike. I think that's when he came into my awareness. That was a very big movie when it came out. And then he's also been in the 21 Jump Street movies with uh, Jonah Hill, which are pretty funny. But my favorite Channing Tatum work is actually in The Vow, which is another romance, a romance drama. Man, that movie is good. Have you seen that or his other works?
1: No, I haven't actually seen any of. Them. I think oh, I wow. started okay. watching. I started watching Step Up. I don't. I got interrupted. Yeah, my very favorite is the bow, though
0: he's really good, and it's with Rachel McAdams. And like everyone's like, "Oh, the Notebook's so great," and I'm like, "Dude, Ryan Gosling is in the shade when you see her with uh, Channing Tatum." Not kidding. <laughs> Huh. And, and another thing I think is interesting about him is he's worked in some really w- with some really well regarded directors too, like the Coen brothers. He did Hail Caesar. He was in The Hateful Eight, although I don't remember him in that, but I'm sure he was in. There. <laughs> I, that's the Tarantino I've seen the fewest times. And then he was in with a, a Steven Soderbergh and Logan Lucky and Kimberly Pierce, who did Boys Don't Cry. He was in her film Stop Loss. So he's really done some serious work
1: in with his fun work. Other notable actors in the film, uh David Cross as Principal Gold. He is in um, Arrested Development. Julie Haggerty is Viola's mom, is it from Airplane? Vinny Jones is coach what is it? It's coach. Okay, so this is interesting. Vinnie Jones plays this character
0: called Coach Dinklage. I saw a rumor that the coach is named Coach Dinklage because they wanted to get Peter Dinklage. This is a rumor, though. I cannot verify okay. this. I tried to. But like that would have been awesome if he got Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. But no, Vinnie Jones. And Vinnie Jones is like very uh, distinctive actor. You might know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snatch. Lockstock Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but he was also a professional footballer at the beginning of his career. So, yeah, and it really, I think that shows, I think it really gives him a lot of swagger. This movie has a big cast and like not everybody is like super famous, so we're not going to try to tell you everything they were in, but we want to tell you you know, who these actors are to give them credit. So the car- role of Olivia, who Duke is in love with, is played by Laura Ramsey. Uh, Sebastian, Viola's brother, is played by James Kirk. So Alexandra Breckenridge does have some significant work. She plays Monique, who is Sebastian's kind of girlfriend. And she's kind of like sort of stalking Sebastian, the movies, trying to tell us. Although, personally, I think she gets treated a little unfairly in the film. We'll get to that later. But anyway, I guess she is the lead in Virgin River now, which I haven't seen, but I guess is important. And she had a recurring role on This Is Us. So, yeah, she's done something for herself. And then... um, Justin, uh, Viola's boyfriend at the beginning of the movie, who she breaks up with, is played by Robert Hoffman. And then there's an actress named Emily Perkins, who plays this terrible stereotype of a nerd. Oh, my God. It makes me crazy. Named Eunice. Um, But she was actually one of the leads in the sort of indie horror movie hit called Ginger Snaps, which is very popular as a kind of feminist werewolf movie. So I thought that was kind of cool to find that out. But, yeah, this movie is just, like, rife with, like, side characters that are very kind of, like, forgettable. I think they put too many characters in the movie. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and no parallel to the play, like, they could have. I don't know. Like, you know, uh, Olivia has her her lady's maid, Mariah, or whatever. Like, so I don't, they could have done Olivia having one for I don't and. Gee, Olivia doesn't have any friends. It's no. Viola who has, yeah, you know, her yeah. posse. But so like her posse
0: of- is also very forgettable. Like I guess her friend Paul, right. the hairdressing, is kind of memorable. But her two lady friends who also play soccer with her, like it yeah. took me to the third viewing of the movie to recognize that they were the same people in different scenes because they
1: just aren't given character right. traits. You like wonder what the point is, <laughs> like what was the point? And yes, I was really just rolled my eyes to the uh, Eunice character the uh, oh, it makes me so angry we'll talk about that later but yeah all yeah, right yeah, so yeah. there you have it cuz i have a bone to pick with it
0: <laughs> yeah so so it's a it's a weird movie in that it seems to have too many people hanging out in the background yeah. so this movie is part of a like long tradition of gender bending in film and plays and like this is a trend that's like I'm, we're only going to talk about the ones that are relevant to just like gender bending like around characters who are coded as sort of like cis heteronormative characters, because like you could then add in a ton of other movies that involve like drag performance and transgender people like, but these films are all films that are just like people who are, you know, coded as just like cis heteronormative, but like at the same time they are gender bending. So we've got in 12th night, um, changing genders is kind of providing the humor, I think, and kind of like opportunity to like, have conversations or build romances in a way that you might not otherwise. In these more modern ones, it usually is just like somebody who's trying to achieve a goal or escape from something. So you've got some like it hot in the 1959. And I think they're like what criminals on the run in that one or something. Oh yeah. Something. And then bosom buddies. I haven't seen. Oh, that have was a TV show
1: one? with Tom Hanks.
0: <laughs> and what, and what, what's the motivation? in that uh, one?
1: He and his, his buddy, they, they, needing affordable housing and so they dress up as women to be in this kind of women's I don't want to say dorm because it's not college but like a house full of women okay, and they're okay. renting a room or whatever so they're that's their spiel
0: yeah and then my favorite is a uh, Victor Victoria which is like kind of a wild like take because Julie Andrews and Victor Victoria which is from 82 she plays a woman pretending to be a man pretending to be a woman so she's a singer who can't get work she has this incredible high voice but she can't get hired and so she decides she's going to be a female impersonator because like she will be like the best female impersonator because nobody else can hit the high notes that she can hit and so this causes all kinds of complications in her love life in that movie i love that movie victor victoria and then same year tootsie came out with dustin hoffman who i'm sure will cover tootsie at some point because that's, that's a good like one. Yeah, and that, yeah and that's an out-of-work actor who can't get work so he ends up auditioning for a soap for a woman's role on a soap
1: yeah
0: and the year after yentl came out with um barbara streisand she directed that as well and i I believe i can't remember the motive i think she just wants to study
1: she just wants
0: to yeah but her religion won't
1: allow her to yeah right so she dresses up like a boy so that she can learn i love that um but doesn't she fall in love with her teacher too yeah, everyone's
0: always falling in love in these movies too. Yeah. yeah it's always like love stories. And then just one of the guys, I don't remember it too well, but my uncle used to watch it with me. He used to like that movie a lot. It's from 85. I don't remember why the girl in that one dresses up as a guy. Um, Ladybugs in 1992, Rodney Dangerfield has his son dress up as a girl so that the girls' soccer team he is coaching can win, is the idea. So another yeah. soccer movie just one of the girls you cannot really find it anywhere on streaming which is too bad because Corey Haim is in it I just watched it on YouTube again Corey Haim it, it, like, is trying to escape from bullies and ends up being dressed as a girl when he's registering for his music class that he really cares about so he kind of starts just like as a momentary opportunity and then he ends up like living this lie living a ruse
1: okay. and it's
0: got and this movie has Alanis Morissette shows up too so that's <laughs> early Alanis Morissette <laughs> Then we've got other ones. Mrs. Doubtfire is in 93, Mulan, 98, Shakespeare in Love, also 98, which they, the character's named Viola in that one, isn't is Isn't she? Yeah. 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 So there's definitely a play. And then I found out there's a movie called Motocross, which is a TV movie from 2001, which is a girl uh, dressing up as her brother so she can help him win his motocross competition, which okay. has almost the same plot as, as She's the Man. And then White Chicks in 2004, where not only are they dressing up as as women, they're dressing up as a different race, as white women. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> wild. I've never seen it, but one of my students in Korea said it was their favorite film. So. Oh, wow, okay. It meant cool. something to somebody, right? Yes. So I don't really – I'm not sure why people, like, love these movies so much, but, like, they definitely offer – Opportunities as a way for us to examine the way gender roles operate in our life is one theory I have.
1: I think that's a very good theory. Sure. Or like give us the
0: illusion of seeing like what are people, what are women like when I'm not around, or what are men like when I'm not around, like with greater or lesser accuracy.
1: When I was in college, we did um As You Like It, another Shakespeare no, where there's that. Yeah, um, I directed yeah. that
0: one. Yeah. Good
1: one. So more um concealing gender and uh being a different gender and we got to do we had one of the women who was in the cast was a dancer and she talked about like walking like a guy and like center of gravity you know between men and women are different and try to it was really funny (laughs) Mm. anyway tangent
0: that no, no. And then early in the film, you actually see um, the character Viola is trying to imitate different men on the street, which I guess Amanda Bynes also did to prepare for the role. So yeah, that that yeah. was
1: kind of improvised. And was that whole, or she did that on her own? or was the She stuff did that, that we... on her own time as well. Okay, yeah. So there's like,
0: before we delve into like really deep stuff on the gender roles in the movie, like, I just want to give a broad overview of kind of like, different aspects of how the gender roles are dealt with in she's the man. So on the one hand, you've got um, Violet, the expectations that the mom has of Violet to be a debutante, which is introduced early on with a big poofy dress with ruffles. And so that's one aspect that we're dealing with. Then another aspect is at school, she's dealing with her coach, who, who the girls team has been cut. He has no sympathy and he's not going to let the girls try out for the boys team because he says they cannot be as good as his team. And then her boyfriend at the same time saying the same thing, echoing that. And then the third way that the film deals with gender is like Viola, the way she decides to portray a man as Sebastian and like this kind of exaggerated version of male gender roles that she performs. So there's like these three very interesting things going on. And yeah, like before we get into the movie and even gender roles in society, I just wanted to like give like my, my background on like how... I like have experienced gender roles because I think it's relevant to how I watch the movie. Like, so I grew up in, I was born in 1977 and I was raised by a feminist mom and she like explicitly told me about gender roles from a very early age and explicitly was trying to get me to understand that as a girl, I could do anything I wanted. You know, she was, um, I would often be dressed in what people might say were boys clothes I think actually she did sometimes buy me boys' clothes because I like to play in the mud. I like to play in the dirt. And so I'd be wearing like just navy blue and red a lot. And I could wear girls' clothes too, but like it wasn't like an expectation. Uh And she got me that record album, Free to Be You and Me by Marlo Thomas and Friends, which if you have kids or you just want some nostalgia, I really recommend going on YouTube or wherever you get your music and finding Free to Be You and Me. It's a great album. It's got songs like Williams Doll." which is about a little boy who wants a doll and like everyone calls him kind of a sissy or whatever, but then his grandma says, no, William should have a doll because he can learn how to take care of a baby and he'll be a great father someday. And like, so it was all these messages about Mm -hmm. boys can be, you know, soft and gentle and girls can be athletic and be the boss. And like I was, my mom really raised me with a lot of care to that. I would view womanhood as this big expansive category that could encompass so many different kinds of women. So I was raised that way. And then also my mom and I were both very tall. So I, both of us got ex- mistaken for boys and men a lot. Like she had short hair. She cut my hair short at a certain point. Cause I got whiny when she brushed it for sure. Yes. <laughs> and so she'd get mistaken for a man from the back a lot. I got mistaken for a boy. I went to Girl Scout camp once and I had this like terrible experience where these girls said, like, ew, there's a boy on the bus. There can't be any boys at Girl Scout camp. And, like, I think they knew I was a girl. I think they were just being jerks. Because, Aww. But then, like, I, I had these, like, pink and white striped check shorts on, and I pointed to them. and I'm like, no, look, I'm a girl. Oh. <laughs> like, and I did I'm not hugging. go back to camp. I did not go back to camp. And then I told Jenny Wozniak, our friend, um, I told her I couldn't go back to camp because the price of oil is too high. Oh, I was just too embarrassed. So like, I like my mom had told me that I could be whatever and that it was like I was fine. But then culture told me that my short right. hair was not fine, that my height was not fine, that I didn't mm-hmm. you know, look at my gender well enough. And it was, it's really hard. Even if mm-hmm. you try to raise somebody with these great expectations, like with these, um these values, like people can be quite cruel. Mm-hmm. So But I think like she, what she taught me stuck with me. Like I'm pretty assertive. I'm willing to debate things with people. I don't really like, there's nothing wrong with makeup and heels and all that stuff at all. Like I I did go through a phase where I did that, all that, but I just don't care that much about it. I don't feel obligated to do that either. You know? Yes. So like, <laughs> I think it's fine for women to be whatever they want. If women want to express themselves in a traditionally feminine way, if they want to express themselves in a very masculine way, whatever, like that's how I was raised. So sorry, that was, I probably went on at length, but I think it's important just like to say where we're coming from, because I don't know if everyone's raised that way. Do you, did you have any memories of how you were raised around gender roles or what kind of like ideas
1: you, know, you took in? You know, my, my mom didn't say anything specific. I think she was just, you know, she, well, she's a beautician. And so my sister and I always had long hair and, you know, we always had our hair in little pigtails and things like that. And so our little brother wanted his hair in a pigtail, oh. too, you know, and that makes perfect sense. So she would get in his hair is kind of like a we call it like a brillo pad, like it's really stiff. It's not yeah. like flowing away. So she'd like pull up a few strands and get a uh, what do you call it? A rubber band around it. And he, you know. There you go. He had his hair done too. Um, right. I feel we were also surrounded by a lot of extended family who definitely um did like, oh, little girls behave this way. Mm-hmm. And and we were like, shut up, whatever. Um <laughs> even just the, again, being first generation on my mom's side, you know, when we went to my Greek well, both sides are Greek, but like the super Greek side, you know, <laughs> you know, for holidays and stuff like that women were totally in the kitchen men were somewhere else and then at the end of you know eating and whatnot and then we used dessert and poker and the men played poker at one table and the women played poker in another um yeah yeah so like just things like that so i was those are
0: like subtle messages that you get just from watching people's behavior probably
1: right 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 yeah. And now with our own daughter, um, definitely more intentional about like boys and girls can do whatever they want, you know. And she'll do say things like, "This is a girl color or a boy color." And when I was uh, taing at preschool and kids talking about like boy color and girl color, first of all, we were like, "Absolutely not!" Like we put stop to that. Like yeah. there are no boy colors and girl colors. Everybody's got a color. Everybody like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, give me a break. And like, we don't ever say things to her, like, be a good little girl, you know, little girls do this. We're like, Just, yeah. you know,
0: I definitely got th- some of that. Even despite my mom, I got like, please, like, keep your legs crossed or, or together oh, or something like, yeah. even, even my mom, who is like a super feminist, I would get like little messages like that, you know,
1: like, you know, it's interesting. They have something now called they either call them bicycle shorts or cartwheel shorts or monkey bar shorts. Hmm. And they're little like. Yeah, they're little like bike shorts, um, that little girls can wear under their um skirts and their dresses so Practical. that they can play. Practical, yeah, because well there's pervy people who want to look at go to the park to look at little girls in their underwear. So or even
0: just so you don't get like mud in your underwear. Or mud this, like, on your like, undies, right? Yeah. So
1: yeah, that too. So that's interesting. That's really cool. I like that that is a thing, you know. So you can you can Wear a girl, you can be a girl wearing a dress and still climb trees and climb fences and stuff like that. and you know, no one laughs at you for seeing your underpants. So, yeah, so
0: what i I wanted to partly give our background too, because like when I saw this movie, I was very like, well, this seems very extreme, and these gender roles seem very exaggerated. But like in society in general, like though it's weird that it seems that gender roles have gone back to being a little more rigid than they were when I was growing up in the 70s. And I thought, well, that's maybe anecdotal, Jen. You can't remember it accurately. So I went and tried to do some research. And the one area where I found some good research on it that I could like kind of grapple with in time for this podcast was somebody named Elizabeth Sweet did a study of gendered toys in Sears catalogs throughout time. So she collected Sears catalogs from like the whole like 20th century leading up into the 21st century. And she noted that the first gendered toys at all appeared in like 1915. But most of the toys were not gendered at that time. And by the 1940s, there were kind of like dolls and stoves were kind of coded, like explicitly gendered towards girls. But even in the 1950s, more than half of ads for toys remained gender neutral. So it wasn't like All of the toys. Like there weren't like the two aisles with like the girls' toys and the boys' toys. No, most of the toys were still gender neutral. So, in art, like you were a little after me, but in the 70s and the early 80s, even explicitly gender based ads for toys for these kids, less than 2% of the total ads for toys were just saying this is a girl's toy or this is a boy's toy. And only 31% were kind of implicitly marketed towards boys and girls, like where they might have a picture of a boy using the toy or a girl using the toy. So that's a very small number compared to what you see today. And and during the 70s and 80s, you would see kitchen sets being marketed towards boys, construction sets being marketed towards girls. There was in the 70s, a doctor and a nurse set, and both of the models for that set were girls. So that was great, like that's what we grew up in, that was our milieu. Mm -hmm. So we were raised, I think, with fewer gender expectations in some ways. And then, however, by, na- by 1995, this researcher, Elizabeth Sweet, she found that the, the gender advertising for toys was at the same level of gendered toys as in the mid-century, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. There was a lot more color coding, like, this is pink, this is blue, you know what I mean? Boys color, girls color. There were a lot of separate sets that were being invented for boys and girls, and like Lego sets like that were girl sets and boy sets and things like that. And just like it did, the situation had just become a lot more kind of dire in terms of people who want to avoid gender stereotypes. The toys aimed at girls were things that emphasized beauty, nurturing, domesticity, romance. And then the boys' toys were like emphasizing aggression, action, excitement. So then the mid-90s and like later were kind of worse. And she had a couple of theories about why this was Like one of her theories was just profit motive companies had realized that like, oh, if we say that this is a girl's toy and this is a boy's toy and a family has both girls and boys, we're going to sell twice the toys to these families. You know what I'm saying? I think that probably is a big part of it. But she also thinks that there could be kind of like a backlash, like on a subtle level, because at these times when women are just achieving more and more, kind of this might be a backlash trying to put people back in their boxes. Like, no, you do these things, girls. You do these things, boys. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think there's something to it, possibly. I think in the early 2000s, you also saw a lot of, like, lad magazines and, like, kind of really, like, over-sexualizing of women and objectifying of women in those types of magazines that you didn't get throughout the 90s. So I think, you know, there could be something to it. Feminism makes some some strides, and then it's like, nope, back to the kitchen, ladies. (laughs) Have you you noticed when you've been buying toys, the prevalence or... you know this is a girl's toy or this is a boy's toy do you notice it compared to your childhood or do you not because like when i was a kid i played with like blocks and like the regular you know primary colored legos and like i had barbie dolls too yeah but like most of my toys not like gendered like have you noticed a difference from your
1: childhood i just don't i don't think we were like boys toys girls toys because they were they were Both, I guess, because there were three of us, two boy, two girls and a boy. So they were like cap guns. And those are fun. They snapped and made a sound. And like, so we we all had cap guns, but nobody said those were for the boy. They were just for, you know, my younger brother. Um, He had a dolly that he liked when he was tiny. Yeah. Nobody seemed to think that was a problem. No, and they were actually marketing more boy- dolls towards
0: boys in the '80s, and you might remember that too. With like, these, like my buddy.
1: My- yeah, my buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Craig had a my buddy, <laughs> and he just didn't care for it. You know, it wasn't like just wasn't his thing. He's like, oh yeah, my buddy doll. <laughs> but they also at the same time
0: started our, um, marketing action figures towards girls too. So like more like you know, kind of fighting characters. Like, so yeah, the eighties and the late seventies and early eighties were a great time if you wanted to raise kids in a more gender neutral environment or more just like not even gender neutral, but just like, it's okay to be whatever kind of environment. Right. So, but like when you buy uh, toys for your daughter, are you able to find things that you think are gender neutral or is it more just like, well.
1: You know, when she was tiny, we we definitely were like, You know, I didn't want to introduce all the princessy pink ruffled things. I wanted just, yeah, things that were like brain stimulating or whatever. So, but as she got older, and I'm talking like two, you know, Mm -hmm. when she was able to like look at things and point and be like, I like that, you know, I was like, okay, you know, I wanted her to make her own choices in that and support them, whether I thought they were too girly or whatever um it just doesn't matter whatever she likes whenever she wants
0: yeah what's interesting about this is they've actually done like some studies where they tried to like see um whether kids actually did prefer like one type of toy or the other and they found they did a study with wheeled toys and found that girls and boys showed equal preferences for toys with wheels like trucks and cars Mm -hmm. but like then later when they were asked to say whether they were girl toys or boy toys they would say they were boy toys even though they liked them. So it's like like kids are picking up on these like uh, messages, like from advertising or from what they see when they go out or from what, like what presents they might receive. They're picking up on messages of what I should be doing, even though they might have preferences for other things too. But like, yeah, of course, a lot of girls are going to like princess things and a lot of boys are going to like princess things too. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of whether we let them be free to explore, you know, the whole realm. I don't know. That's what, that's what the research is saying that I've seen anyway. And That's like, so this psychologist named Lisa Danella also said that it's very important that kids are able to play with a wide range of toys because different toys lead to different kinds of learning and kids mm-hmm. need all different kinds of lessons.
1: Mm-hmm. So if
0: you have like a girl child and she's never given like, you know, different kinds of puzzles or like spatial learning toys, then she might not develop in those areas. And same thing if you don't give a boy kind of a doll or like a a kitchen set, he might not like learn those areas. So like um, communication, emotional things like that. So I thought that was, it's really interesting. And it's just one area of study on gender expectations, but it's this area where you can get what people are like at a very young age and kind of get some insight into that.
1: You know, I read that too, where like, Little boys, dads and boys are, you know, throwing a ball back and forth. Boys have better hand-eye coordination. And I was like, that's not going to happen in my house. So my tiny little baby, I'm like tossing crap. Her. She like doesn't have the motor skills to do it yet. I'm like, you're going you're gonna to catch a ball, man. You know, like coordination for you.
0: (laughs) And when I was a nanny, I really did not notice. I nannied both boy and girl children and from infancy, some of them. And I really didn't notice any difference in what they preferred. Like if I offered them just a variety of things, like, and I had, I nannied for girls who were quite aggressive and kind of almost like little brutes. (laughs) And and I nannied for (laughs) some very sensitive little boys, like, you know, and so it really, people have personalities. People have personalities. People have personalities.
1: People have preferences.
0: And so why is this important? Like it relates to She's the Man in a way, but also like it's just important because these gender roles and expectations can have like damaging effects on both girls and boys, on their mental health and even their physical health, according to the global early adolescent health study from Johns Hopkins and the World Health Organization. So to when girls are consistently viewed as weak or to be protected or their sexuality is viewed as a threat to their safety, it can give them really poor ideas about know their selfhood and Mm. similarly if boys are viewed as strong and dominant and given those messages it can give them very poor ideas about how they should behave in the world and it can cause them psychological trauma damage so as a society we really need to work on how do Mm. we stop you know sending these messages to people like how do we stop limiting what people can be Mm. And this comes up in the movie too. Dr. Megan Mass, I read a blog by her, talking about how whereas it's somewhat acceptable for girls to be in a tomboy role, it seems to be less acceptable for boys to act like girls. And you see this in She's the Man. and She's the Man, you see even the coach who's considered the good coach, Coach Dinklage, is always calling people like Nancy Boy or you're playing like a girl, stuff like that. So she says, so Dr. Megan Mass says, if girl is the worst thing a boy could be called, what does that teach girls about themselves? Currently, we are in a sociocultural stage where it is mostly okay for girls to be like boys and women to be like men, which is an improvement, but without it being okay for boys to be like girls or men to be like women, masculinity is validated as the norm and femininity as something wrong or lesser than. True gender equality would be where it is okay for girls to be like boys, boys to be like girls, girls to be like girls, boys to be like boys, women to be like men, men to be like women, women to be like women. And men to be like men, and I th- say drop the mic on that one because
1: mm-hmm. just
0: like, be okay. Like everyone should be able to behave in a way that they like without it being a big problem. That's how I feel.
1: You're right. Yeah, same. So now we'll actually start talking about the movie. <laughs> you know, I've said this just between me and Jen. I'm like, you all thought you were watching a cheesy rom com. No, sir. You are. You, this is what this is what they do. They ask. They bring up questions and yeah um maybe even
0: unintentionally in some cases i think with this movie it might be subconsciously but yeah so in this movie the first thing we talked about with gender is like how viola is expected to be like a girl by her mom at quote unquote like a girl at the beginning of the movie by her mom and um her mom wants her to go to this debutante ball does this seem like did you experience anything like this because i certainly did not i think maybe we just weren't rich enough or something (laughs)
1: No, there was no big thing. It was only like prom and homecoming that I wanted to like get dressed up for. My parents could care less. Yeah, my parents didn't
0: really care about prom either. They were just like kind of indifferent to that. I think they were kind of relieved like that I didn't start dating until later, to be honest. And my mom, I don't think my mom even cared if I got married, to be honest. I think my mom wanted me to have a career more than anything. She passed away when I was 20. And so I can only guess on this, but I'm pretty sure she really just wanted me to have a career, to travel the world, to like, you know, experience things that maybe she didn't experience as much of. So like, I don't like in this film. So she's expected to be a debutante. Sophia and I did not have that experience. Um, I don't know. Her mom doesn't, her mom doesn't show up enough to really do much more, but she's always commenting on how she wants a lady, not someone who plays soccer in the mud or something right
1: i think that's all she's good for she kind of plays. she's kind of an airhead mom like i feel like she's oblivious to both her children oh yeah both the parents you know, are well same thing with sebastian parents. like sebastian and viola have dreams and preferences and desires to do stuff and their parents are like what they just not there yeah <laughs> they've checked out another thing though about this is that like i'm not really sure like the
0: film is saying that like viola like kind of a rebelling against these gender roles, which I guess to a certain extent she is at the beginning of the film and like with her actions, but then like whenever she's so she has to change back and forth between dressing like Sebastian and dressing like Viola in the movie. Cause she has to go to like her mom's events or whatever, whenever she shows up at one of her mom's events, she's wearing like a a dress again, like a very tight kind of sexy dress even though when she's shown initially in the movie, she's wearing like pants and like a sweatshirt and gets mistaken for her brother by her brother's ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think the movie's really subverting the gender roles that much?
1: Uh, you know, I, I was that was problematic for me, I think, in that scene where she's going back and forth between. As, okay, you know, tell, introduce what the scene is, yeah, where she is. This is the scene where she, um, she for backing up, she's in the dorm, dressed as, you know, portraying Sebastian. She's being a boy, and she hears on the answering machine, it's her mom, she's like, ooh, don't forget the fair um, where you and your brother, have you signed up to do, you know, jobs at the fair, um, this, like, carnival thing. Yeah. And um, she's like, oh, no. So she has to go to this carnival to uh, is it raise money for her mom's like junior leg, league, junior yeah. league. Oh, yeah. okay great and so uh sebastian was signed up to do cotton candy and viola was signed up to do the kissing booth that is so disgusting
0: <laughs> i know the kissing booth in general is just like a really weird thing too like where women are and it's only women at this kissing booth it's not men like i think the one in the movie the netflix the kissing booth there's both women and men but this one is just oh, okay. women okay okay
1: yeah girls really it's just girls girls. and there are all kinds of uh creepy men lining to kiss teenagers yeah great
0: we're not just saying they're creeps they are portrayed as creeps in this movie there's like a creepy 10 year old even who's like creepy 10 year old creepy old man
1: i'm sorry i'm talking over you and just it's just all kinds of creeps
0: (laughs) too many creeps too many creeps
1: okay but get back let's get back to her dressing
0: yeah sorry i interrupted you
1: so, right, dressed as Sebastian, she's always in long sleeves and jeans and whatever, and then she dresses up as herself, and she's in this, yeah, tight little dress. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. She
0: didn't wear it initially in the movie either. She was dressed in, like, practical clothes for soccer, but I guess it's, like, now she feels like she has to really highlight the differences so she won't be mis- like seen as, like, Sebastian oh, or Duke, sure, I guess, but, like, yeah, it's, like, yeah.
1: Which, you know, there is that point that Duke says when they're he's like oh my mom's in the junior league too I'm gonna be at that thing is she dressing up for him I don't know I don't we know. don't know these motives we don't know that's why this movie is, gets a one and a it half star up, for me uh, it <laughs> ends up
0: serving w- though is like re like to me it ends up serving is reaffirming the gender roles when she's always dressed like really girly when she's being herself again
1: right yeah, yeah I don't know well I would also say like she she does she changes on changes clothes on the tilter a whirl and I'm just like she is literally on a roller coaster like her life is a roller coaster uh. right now and we are so I got that visual um dude
0: dude um so she she changes clothes like three times like in that scene too she changes once in a porta potty which like no big deal but then she changes once in the a World, right mm-hmm. with a kid on the Tilt-A-Whirl. Yeah,
1: all <laughs> and a World, yeah. sudden the kid like, was there; it wasn't there in the
0: beginning, and then it was. I'm Holy trauma, yeah. A, how'd the kid get there? But B, a wholly traumatized kid, Batman. <laughs> like nobody right. wants an adult changing clothes next to them that they don't know. And then she's in the freaking bouncy house, and she changes in there too. And the kids come in, and it's it's played for laughs. And I guess it is funny, but like uh, adults don't change. Well, I guess she's technically a teenager, but still, don't t- change in front of little kids that you don't know just just avoid yeah.
1: that. <laughs> uh, yeah th- again like those things i feel like were played for laughs and i'm like yeah what it wasn't that funny to me because it didn't seem realistic uh, seem reali- like it wasn't yeah. you know there wasn't a point it yeah uh, yeah she was um, always trying
0: to run away from like monique who's p- pursuing sebastian or from her mom who wants her to be you know, a different, per- yeah, it was, it was a little bit contrived. It was kind of contrived fun, in my opinion, yeah. but, it, but it was pretty contrived. So, yeah, I don't know like how much it actually subverts, like, you know, Viola is not really a gender nonconforming personality per se, the way she's portrayed in the movie, other than her desire to play soccer. So, right, which to me, honestly, these in this day and age, like soccer is very affiliated with women too, in my opinion, but it we've made is. strides on that level. So then we have Viola, as her performance as Sebastian. So this is where the movie gets like, to me the most kind of uh, like,
1: well, what, what did you think about it? I felt like so much of it was played for laughs. Like her, you know, not knowing what to call the guy. Hey dude, bro, bro friend or whatever, you know, like I, I was yeah. that got old very quickly for me. I'm like, you might screw up day one or day two, but if you were seriously trying to blend just then, then, I don't know kind of keep your head or
0: something I know. But,
1: that's like, like the main thing it's like just be quiet right. a little bit cuz a lot of guys are quiet anyway
0: like a lot of guys are like you, obviously this wouldn't work as well for a movie or a comedy but like right. if you were really trying to be a guy just shut up like
1: just don't right, say right. right 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 <laughs> head, head down grunt right i know like and mm. Um, very much being like, look at that. I tap that, and blah blah. blah. Like, how about if you're going to yeah. dress up as a guy, maybe be that guy that sets the example of being like, hey, that's a person, mm-hmm. not an ass to mm-hmm. tap, or what? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, like, that's your opportunity. And even then, Duke does call quote unquote Sebastian out on that. He's like, why are you always talking about girls like that? Like, yeah. you know, I want I'll someone to be talk fair.
0: To. He plays in with it, too, at different times. Like when he's alone with her, like he tells Viola Sebastian, don't objectify people. But when he's with his guy friends, like he's kind of participating in that, too. Like that dude, like, you know, checking people out energy or admiring Sebastian for having all these ladies hanging over him improbably. probably right. So, like, one of the reasons I think Viola might, like, exaggerate her male performance in this movie, too, is that at first when she comes into the room, like, they're kind of like, oh, you look really young or you should mm. be in the freshman dorm, you know, kind of commenting on her appearance. I think maybe, like, that in part might create the the feeling that they, she has to make an exaggerated male performance, like, even mm. more male than they are. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Um, I could be okay with that as a motive, but as it read in the film, I felt like so much of it was for laughs and to keep the sure. comedy going or whatever. And
0: Yeah, and she keeps using like this kind of like slang from the time, like, what's up, dog, and stuff like that. Right. And then, and then
1: even Duke Orsino's like not having it is like, okay, coolio. Right. Yeah. And and I didn't know what this kind of dialect she was speaking with. I'm like, I,
0: Oh yeah. The voice is very strange. Like I can't so really strange. figure out what kind of voice it is either. Yeah. Like not, no offense to Amanda Bynes. I think it's very good for comic effect. Like, but just like, if you really heard someone speaking like that, you'd be like, what's going on here? And so sure enough, the guys are avoiding, you know, Sebastian. They're avoiding Viola as Sebastian. They're like, they're the pizza place. And they try to like do the thing where they make themselves big so that she can't sit in the booth. Right. I've done that before. I hate to admit it. Like (laughs) somebody who was really irritating. Like, I'm sorry, but yeah. Um, but they, they do the thing where they make themselves look big. And then there's a clip though of like how Sebastian slash Viola then wins the kind of their affection. And I think it's actually one of the most problematic things in the whole movie that happens. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for me to play the clip? They're at the pizza place, and um, Viola's friends from her old school are helping her to get credit as Sebastian. Hey
1: Sebastian! Hey. Yeah. Girls, how you doing, baby? I'm not the same without you. I know. I'm mm. sorry. New school, new baby. You. <laughs> I miss you, Sebastian. <laughs> I've been thinking about you a lot, especially at night. Sweet
0: and late, even better. Okay, did she just say that to Sebastian? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Sebastian. Okay, big mournful sigh. <gasps> Bittersweet farewell. Yours, <laughs> plaything, baby. Yours, plaything. Really great to see you, Sebastian. Call me anytime. I'd tap that.
1: Thank you, Kia. You're gorgeous. And go, Yvonne.
0: Women. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you
1: know what I'm saying? Sebastian, is that you? Hey, what's going on, Yvonne? Okay, who's this one, then? I mean, our school lost its top gun, Sebastian Hastings. Well, <clears throat> time comes for a man to move along, Yvonne. I know, Sebastian. In the end, I wasn't woman enough for you. No, you weren't. And that's just something I'll always have to live with. It just hurts, that's all. Love is pain. Just know I'll never forget you, Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Ever. Never! never. 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 Need it. Okay, okay. We, we might need to do a little reevaluating here.
0: So what in the end gets these guys to respect Sebastian? Right. Treating women like crap, basically. Like treating women as disposable and like being a so-called player. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then like the, the, the coup de grace of this scene is Monique shows up thinking like that it's really Sebastian, her boyfriend. And um, we, as far as we know, they're still together. Like we don't know that Sebastian never actually broke up with Monique officially And like, so it's totally reasonable for Monique to be like looking for her boyfriend, but, and Sebastian, Viola as Sebastian obviously has to avoid Monique because Monique might actually be able to tell who she is. Mm -hmm. And so she like makes this big scene in the pizza place, like uh, through putting things in front of her face, throwing boxes at Monique until she says that Monique is ugly in the inside or something like ugly or something. And then the whole pizza place cheers for this like this yelling at this poor girl like Mm. yeah Monique seems like she's kind of a jerk but like nobody deserves that but everyone cheers and then like you're the man you're the man is what like um, Channing Tatum's character Duke and all the other guys say Yeah, in this movie to be a real guy to be one of the guys you got to treat the girls bad I guess
1: yeah more things that are problematic with this film and plot and you know the use of this device It's like, and like
0: Viola is always treating Monique kind of crappily too. Like Monique's a jerk to her too, but it's like, I hate to see movies where like people are supposed to be feminists, but are simultaneously selling out other girls. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like something I really, I just don't like to see it. And I think like in 10 things I hate about you, they do a much better job where like Kat and her sister don't always get along, but at the end of the day, they have each other's backs,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like why couldn't have been, um, on the soccer field, like watching Viola as Sebastian, like really starting to like kick butt on the field. Yeah. That have been the catalyst where she wins the respect of the guys who are also her teammates or something like that. And that no. would
0: also not have subverted the, the supposed message of the film that girls are just as good as, as guys as players because like the film is trying to set up like girls are just as capable of guys at soccer. Like the, the evil soccer coach in the beginning of the movie, you're supposed to really hate him says that girls aren't as good. Right. And then mm-hmm. she goes on the soccer team, the male soccer team, and she's immediately goes from star player to second string, which kind of subverts the film's message. It's like, so yeah, you're totally right. They could have just made her kick butt on the soccer field instead of like portraying this toxic masculinity, this like love him and leave him kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So after he's seen to be this like kind of player character, he then becomes kind of like somebody that the guys go to for a romantic advice and Duke wants him wants Sebastian to help him get Olivia. And I think it's Toby is the one of the friends who's like also asking for advice. See, all oh, yeah. of the Duke's friends are just kind of like also kind of bland characters. They have too many side characters. But anyway, yeah, Sebastian suddenly becomes kind of like, you know, ladies, man, celebrity. So let's talk about the third realm of the movie that deals with gender, which is women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Women's soccer was kind of was kind of just becoming like a big thing in the United States when this movie came out. In 1999, the U S women's world cup was first held in the United States. And that like was really big in making soccer more prominent here and women's soccer specifically. And in 2001, Mia Hamm was named the first ever women's world player of the year by FIFA. And in 2004 and 2005, the U S women's soccer team, the national team had great performances in um, two thousand four, they just won a ton of competitions, competitions including the Olympics. And in two thousand five, they did not allow a single goal; they were undefeated. So this is right. This is all right before the movie came out, and I just think it's good background to have. Obviously, women's soccer is still like super important today. So we're we're in an environment in this movie where women's soccer is already pretty important, but. Viola is experiencing this problem of her school's team being canceled at the same time, like because of allegedly not enough interest. But what I thought was interesting about this was this would not have happened if she'd been in a public school, probably, because Title IX was set up in 72, 1972 to protect this exact thing from happening, to protect women's teams from being cut. And anything, any entity that receives federal funding has to make sure that there's like equal opportunity for women to join sports or other kind of groups. So just, and and then for title nine, like, I think it's really important to mention like why it's important in our history too. Um, before title nine, only one in 27 girls played school sports. And then as of 2016, two in five girls are playing school sports. And I just it, like, that's phenomenal. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And Sophia, what was,
1: you found out also some information. So about I've been it. reading the confidence code because I have heard maybe from this book, from other resources, that boys and girls have the same amount of confidence till the age of eight, and then girls' confidence plummets. <laughs> and my daughter's going to be eight in just a little bit. And so I'm like, I, I must have the tools to help my daughter. Um, so I'm reading the confidence code um, by, I, I don't know how she says it, Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman. And one of the quotes from their book talks about how uh, Title IX and what sports does for girls. It says that girls uh, who play sports are more likely to graduate from college, find a job, be employed in male-dominant industries, and there's a direct link between playing sports in high school and earning a higher salary later in life. So like, yeah, like it's just, this is all to highlight that like this problem of her
0: team being cut, isn't just like a, whatever situation, like her boyfriend that she breaks up with is like, Oh, whatever, who cares? Like, and her mom's like, Oh, well just come to the W temple. but This is like a huge deal. Not only to her character personally, Viola's character personally, but to women in general and to girls to like have that opportunity to play sports. So, and that's like why I think it's like a super weird resolution of the plot that at the end of this, st- Oh, sorry. We're going to go into spoilers now. I didn't announce that yet. We're now going into the spoilers allowed section. So I think it's a super weird resolution of the plot at the end of the movie. All the other girls on her team, as far as we know, still don't have a soccer team. There's no like scene where it's like, oh, and here's your soccer team back, like you can play again. Instead, you just see Viola's on the girl uh, on the boys team at Elyria, and like she's the only one. You don't see any other girls on the field. Like I think they could have made it better like if they had either more girls on that team or if they just like thrown in, "Oh, and by the way, we've decided to reinstate the girls soccer team. I hope you'll come back and play with us since obviously you're such a good player." You know yeah. something. Yeah. It seems like a big oversight to me.
1: Well, what do you you're think? right. And it well, the the happy ending is that she is Viola and you know her her real self gets revealed and um, that Duke likes her and they go out
0: (laughs) and they go to the debutante ball. They do
1: go to the debutante.
0: Yeah. Yes. Which which she didn't want to go to in the first place. Like granted, she has like a kind of cool dress and she kind of like, well, randomly yeah. makes out with him at the debutante ball, which isn't like in front of everybody, which is not very debutante like. And she goes Woo-hoo! and like everybody cheers them on. Well, everybody
1: yeah. cheers them on, not because she won or she played on the team a little bit. There's a oh, little bit of true, that, but too. mostly that like they're together. And yeah, she's there at the debutante ball. I will say this though she said to her mom that you, you don't know what I like because you keep handing me these dresses with ruffles. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the mom is holding a a dress that's in one of those uh, bags, those uh, garment bags, garment bags. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't see it. And it's only until she comes out at the end that you see her in not a ruffled dress. It's like a sheath and it's green, Yeah, not a, which that to me was like, Oh, mom paid attention a little bit, but um, (laughs) couldn't it have been. uh, And it's a, it's a trope. I can name two other films where there's the mom that doesn't want the girl to do at least two other ones in Bendit Lake Beckham, the mom. Oh, yeah. Bendit be Lake
0: Beckham. It. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: But Bendit Lake Beckham is definitely like more in that movie, it's like success for everyone.
1: You know? Yes. Like there everyone. is a girl's team. It's not like yeah. trying to sneak onto the boys' team. She's just trying to sneak onto the girls' team, too. But it's like Um, in
0: Bend It Like Beckham, you have this ending where everybody gets some success, right? And in this mm -hmm. one, it's just just Viola gets to succeed at sports. And those other girls look just as committed and just as upset about their team being gone. So that's like where I'm like this movie kind of like I think fails that message a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'd still give it two and a half stars, huh?
1: Yeah, because (laughs) the more you you talk, I'm here.
0: No, honestly, it's it's because it really is because of their performances. Like, I do think like that they are like Amanda Bynes is doing a lot of good comic work. Like, if you think about the work they're doing with the script as it is, too. Like, mm. and Channing Tatum, man, maybe it's partly because Channing Tatum's hot. I'm sorry, he's hot, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like, I think in every scene he's in, just some like you know. T shirt or something. But it's
0: funny too. They're both funny. Like they both really show comic chops in this film. So I think that's really like doing the work for me in the movie. um Okay. So I, one thing I wanted to mention other than that is just like I was kind of looking into like what is the actual like precedent for women playing in men's teams. And I did not do this extensively because I just didn't have time. But soccer is usually sex segregated at varying ages around the world, like some countries it's 18, other countries 16. Some countries like Denmark, I don't think has an age limit. But there was an interesting case in 2018 of a goalkeeper named Stephanie LeBay, and she trained with a men's team in in Calgary in Canada. And she was actually able to make the team and be successful. Like she said, it was really hard, but she was able to be successful. But then the Canadian Premier Development League said that she couldn't be on the team just gave mm. them a hard no. And in wow. so in Wired magazine, like Le- Stephanie LeBay told Wired magazine that she agrees that there should be female specific leagues so that women can have a fair opportunity to compete, you know, but at the same time she said she said, quote, I think that for the women that beat those odds and can overcome those disadvantages, it's time we start thinking about how we can support them and put them in an environment that's going to push them to the next level. And really it seems really strange that you wouldn't just like give people the opportunity, you know, to try out.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I
0: mean? It might not be like, I don't think it would be a solution in this, in this plot per se. I think that like, there might be certain challenges just for the women to keep up. Like as, mm. a, as a whole, I think it is like Stephanie LeBay says important for there to still be different leagues, but mm-hmm. why can't you allow some, somebody to try? I don't know. That's what I learned so far, but it's like, there's so much research to be done on that. But anyway, this movie kind of fails on both levels, because not only do you not see more women on the men's team at the end of this movie, but you also just don't see the women's team reinstated. And I'm like, I cared about that. I cared about the other girls, too.
1: I like that. I like that you cared about them, because I feel like the whole, like the film didn't care about them. They cared about the love yeah, story. It was a total um, afterthought. Like, I, wonder yeah.
0: if, if, I wonder even if anyone thought about that,
1: like if they made extra
0: scenes and then just didn't include them it would be interesting I to doubt find it out. i doubt it i'm putting my
1: money on i doubt it
0: my husband also like i my husband watched this with me which was awesome because i he's a big soccer fanatic and he like supports not only um the national team the women's national team the like but also the portland timbers club and i believe they're the portland thorns is the women's club in portland but he he was watching with me and he, so he pointed out to me some of the realistic and unrealistic soccer things that are going on in the movie so he said the training scenes with Channing Tatum, like Duke and Amanda Bynes as Viola, those were pretty realistic like drills that he would remember. They seemed pretty competent. Like Amanda Bynes did not play soccer before this, but she trained up to get ready for it so she could do most of her own playing. But he said there was one kick that she learns that she plays in the final game where she kind of goes up in the air a little bit. Do you remember what I'm talking about? He it's said- Kind that, of like a bicycle. Yeah it's, called a, yeah, it's called a bicycle kick. Yeah. And he says that like that is something that A- like a really good player like Viola would probably already know how to do and be just like kind of showy. And it's not like something you'd usually have a chance to use in a game, but of course it's a movie. So we have to use the most exciting looking soccer kick we have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then he had like a ton of things where in the final game scene, so in the final game scene, and we can introduce a little of the plot here too. Final game scene. First of all, it gets interrupted at one point because the principal is going to reveal that.
1: Oh my God. uh,
0: Yeah, actually, let's get into that later. So the game gets interrupted at one point, and my husband said that would not happen. The principal can't just come on the the field and stop the game. So number one, that can't happen. Um, Number two, like Sebastian ends up playing instead of Viola, like the real Sebastian, and like playing so badly because he doesn't understand soccer at all that he gets benched. But my husband said that you would not bench a player usually, or if you did, you would substitute them. But it, once you bench someone, they can't come back in. So it's a pretty serious decision for a coach to make. And like later, of course, they do bring Viola as Sebastian back in. And my husband's like, nope, that, that wouldn't work with the yeah. rule. And then like in soccer, (laughs) apparently you can't even really touch someone aggressively, not even like a poke on the nose, but there's like a huge fight that breaks out at one point. And my husband's like, that would have ended the game right there. Like everyone forfeit, like everyone be like probably disqualified for like, not just that game, but maybe several games. So he said, he he ruled, he ruled no on all of that. (laughs) But you know, he does say that it's like a movie, so he gets it. But yeah, I thought that was interesting to have his perspective.
1: Yeah, when she comes back, when Viola comes back dressed as Sebastian after they've kind of figured out, you know, their, their disguise well, and whatnot. And yeah. she's like, coach, put me back in. I can do it. He's like, OK. I'm like, uh uh-uh.
0: <laughs> I don't but even know the really, rules, but that would not happen. I've changed. Yeah, which is I've true. changed. So let's 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 segue then into unbelievable things, because the most unbelievable thing in this entire movie is that anybody would ever think Viola and Sebastian look remotely alike
1: in normal mm-hmm. light. Or if yeah. you could hear them talk. Agreed? Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Hands down. So bad. So bad.
0: <laughs> like, they, they pretty much avoid this being a problem, like, right up until the end of the movie, though. And, like, it becomes a problem. Like, the Monique scene in the pizza parlor, I can kind of get, because, like, you know, like, Viola is, like, obscuring her face and everything. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. like, at this soccer game, so they wake up. So, Sebastian comes back early. Viola has been kicked out of the room by Duke because he thinks that Viola, as Sebastian, is trying to hit on Olivia. And so, Sebastian, the real Sebastian, is in like the room, Duke's room. And they, the soccer team, comes and's like, "Here, we- it's time to play the game. Come with us." Blah blah blah. And so, the real Sebastian's like dragged over to the soccer game, and nobody notices somehow, right? This is the same problem you have when you cast this play. It's like you you have to really suspend your disbelief. But I I think it's much easier in theater to do that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Cuz in theater
0: um, you're already
1: doing that for things usually. Right. Terribly unbelievable. I I also um watching her try to play out in the summer heat in all those clothes. I mean, she yes. does have the excuse that I'm allergic to the sun. Um I think if you're allergic to the sun, you also have to cover your face with a big (laughs) hat. Like that was. Oh yeah. So she uses the excuse she's
0: allergic to the sun so that she doesn't have to play skins in a shirts versus skins. We should add. But like, Uh, yeah, like, and she's okay. So she's binding with an ACE bandage, which by the way, like I looked into this and you're not supposed to do that. Like if you're a transgender person and you want to bind or just somebody who wants to bind, you're supposed to get like a binder that is specifically made for your body and made by professionals. Because like, Whoa. if you use an ace bandage, you can actually hard damage hard. yourself, you can, your breath capacity can go down, which is really bad. If you're playing sports, um, you can crack a rib, potentially, it doesn't allow your body to move. So like, like, that's like, don't try this at home. Okay.
1: Wow. If reason
0: you want to go on the the boys soccer team, like get a real, <laughs> I don't know. yeah don't don't try using this ace bandage and it says like even like with these real binders you should take breaks sometimes you should listen to your body so yeah not like viola is like using this ace bandage all the time which would be really hot and potentially damaging and then also she keeps her hair oh yeah she didn't
1: like cut it all off to wear the wig she like is supposed to be tucking it up in this wig
0: yeah, she's wearing this like short haired wig and at first I thought, oh, she cut her hair to be Sebastian. Good, that's a good idea, right? But then at one point you when she does the big reveal, she's like, "Here's and here's all my hair." And I'm like, "How seriously, how are you playing soccer in a wig with all your hair under it?"
1: <laughs> okay, so a couple comments from from me with that. Well, you've been in theater and if you do wear a wig, Then you don't cut your hair. You take your long hair and you make all these tiny little pin curls, you know, these little curls and you put them down with safety pins and then you put a sock over it and then you put the wig on. So, Mm -hmm. right. She would that all would have been done up for this game. And then she just kind of whips it off as if it were just tucked up there. I didn't even notice that. You're totally right about that. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) She would have had the sock and the whole deal. Like give me a break pins, tons of pins holding up that hair. So there was that. And then she goes to play a game with her hair down. And I was like, no way. Yeah, girl, yeah, yeah. get your hair, get your scrunchie, and get yourself a pony or a top bun and tighten that up. Like, yeah, well, once the reason they did girl, that. And they allow her to play again. Yeah. She's got her hair down. Well, they did that because if you noticed, that wasn't her playing. That was somebody in a wig playing that part, covering their face. Um, and they even do a close up on the legs kicking, and those aren't her legs. There's some muscular legs that are kicking that ball, and those were not hers. So I'm like, I can't. I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't extend, you know, suspend reality. It it drove me too nuts.
0: Yeah, no, it it was, it was unfortunate. Like I think things like this often work better, like mistaken identity things work better if you actually have twins or if it's theater because theater people will make a lot more allowances. I think. But really, like, honestly, I think she should have, like, what would make more sense to me is if she had cut her hair to be Sebastian, right? And then she has to go back and be Viola at the debutante ball, then wear the wig. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, get a wig to be yourself again. And like, you know, whatever. Mm. And -hmm. you could have had humor with that too. You could have had the mom, like, been upset about her cutting her hair or something. Like, why do you have this wig? And like, it could have like made a conflict there and be like, because mom, this is more important than this. Or since soccer is more important. Or just, do your hair in a cute like put some
1: clips in with your short hair as a girl. I don't know, pixie. Yeah. You can still it's be it's fine to have short hair. Yeah. <laughs> um what else? What else was so unbelievable? Okay, in- so
0: the reveal is totally unbelievable. So like what happens is like this is like the most so talking about inappropriate teachers, we've had some bad teachers in past episodes. Yeah. In this movie, we have inappropriate principal. <laughs> so David Cross plays Principal Gold. And Malcolm slash like the Melvolio character comes finds out that um, with Monique's help that Viola or Sebastian is really Viola. So he goes to Principal Gold with this information and Principal Gold gets the brilliant idea that he's going to go onto the soccer field, interrupt the game and like uh, confront Sebastian in the middle of the game. Well, it turns out it's the real Sebastian. Like he has this megaphone, and he tells the audience, "Sebastian is really a girl," and then like Sebastian is the real Sebastian, pulls down his pants, which a kind of inappropriate, b unbelievable that somebody would do that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then yeah, like it's the most inappropriate thing that a principal could ever do. Like who would do that in real life with Nobody. a
1: megaphone into a packed stadium yeah. of of people, announcing that this is this is a a, a girl. Yeah. Um. yeah yeah and, like, that's not the time or the place yeah and yeah. then he's wrong okay so then he you know he's humiliating so I had a problem with that too I'm like what in the world now to make a comparison to 12th night the reveal of Sebastian and Viola does happen in front of everybody like there's guards there's the whole you know the house of Olivia and so I'm like well like I guess it's a parallel because <laughs> it's like all the all the players are on but stage like, but how yeah, is it
0: revealed i don't remember it's not it's certainly not revealed by people like dropping trow or like showing their Absolutely
1: rack. not right and viola you know reveals that she really is a girl and by lifting her shirt um
0: yeah like, like but in the play like how is the reveal done do you remember because i don't remember
1: it's just that viola and sebastian are on stage together okay and everyone's like how have you doubled yourself and Sebastian and Viola see each other and they're, you know, you know, Viola says, I had a father, Sebastian, and a brother by the same name. And he's like, My father was Sebastian. She said, My father had a mole over his forehead or or on something. He's like, So did mine. And, you know, they they know that it's them, but they're just, you know, saying that they're the same and and they embrace. And so then Sebastian says to Olivia he's like sorry you you were a little fooled <laughs> um, cuz they've gotten married in the play you know oh, wow. Olivia has said marry me now and we'll keep it quiet oh, yeah, until to Sebastian yeah yeah to Sebastian so he's like I'm not the Sebastian you thought I was and she's like oh well and loves him <laughs> and so um and then Orsino is like come you know Reveal who you are and I don't know, somehow he takes off maybe her mustache or takes off her hat, but she has cut her hair and you know, to look like a young man. So
0: and he doesn't demand proof.
1: <laughs> like
0: Nobody's no. demanding proof. Like, yeah. Was- whereas in the movie, like Viola actually takes off the wig and like her hair comes tumbling out. And it's obviously the same person from the kissing booth. And he's still like, well, I can't just because you're wearing right. a wig doesn't mean like, <laughs> and-, and she like lifts her shirt, which this is the one thing that 10 things I hate about you and 12th night or, or sorry, she's the man having comment. Yeah. They both mm-hmm. have a girl flashing people.
1: But at least in you know, uh, She's the Man, a boy dropped his pants and revealed himself. Like, uh, yeah, that's what makes (laughs) it right. (laughs) No, not at all. But I'm just saying, like, you're right. He kissed her, clearly this girl at the kissing booth. And so for him to be like, how do I know the truth? And then she lifts her shirt is, again, just a a gag to get a laugh or be shocking. Like, that didn't need to be there at all. Yeah. Um, And that's why that's frustrating to me. And. I'm giving yeah. it a half a star. Forget my one and a half. I'm down to half a star.
0: <laughs> wait, wait. He dropped it an entire star.
1: Wow. Yes. Okay, okay,
0: okay. So let's go to favorite or least favorite scenes. Do you, In this whole movie of half a star, do you have any scenes that you liked that you would call a favorite? Because I do, but I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah. It's Oh, it's the scene where Viola and Sebastian is on a date with Eunice. It's to go as a double date with... Olivia and Duke, right?
0: hmm
1: So they're back at Cesario's, the pizza place, to have a date. And so the, the two friends of Duke, what are their names again? Uh, are one are they Andrew and Toby?
0: Yeah, maybe Andrew,
1: yeah. Andrew and Toby, and those are character names in but not anything to do with those characters but not anything to do with it and so toby says okay how come when i wanted to ask eunice out everyone made fun of me but then sebastian likes her and suddenly she's cool screw you guys i hate high school (laughs) that was my favorite really that was my yep what what about it i think that that's that's like a true thing in Maybe school, particularly where maybe somebody is dubbed the nerd, the geek, the weirdo, blah blah blah. And but if you like them, you get made fun of. But
0: mm-hmm. then maybe
1: somebody else likes them, and now it's okay. And that—that's high school. Like like who you like and like what you like, um, and don't worry about what other people think are cool is or acceptable. So that is, I feel very much a a, a youthful thing um a high school yeah. junior high kind of thing <laughs> screw you guys I hate any other <laughs>
0: scenes, any other scenes that you liked in that one nope that's it okay <laughs> for me my favorite was the uh, when Melvolio or malcolm's tarantula melvolio uh gets into the room so duke and viola are having like a practice conversation i think at that point where like is trying to teach duke how to like talk to girls and stuff or just have a normal conversation, I guess. And like, all of a sudden they see the tarantula and both of them are just like shrieking and jumping on the bed. And like, I just think their, their comic acting is like so well expressed in that scene. Like in, and you, and I feel the chemistry between them there too. And they're Mm -hmm. both grabbing onto each other and like, and then they do the kind of cheesy thing like that they the guys do in movies when they hug where they're like, Oh, you know, I don't like guys. You know, they kinda of like the panics like don't hug each other thing, which you know isn't so great. But like but the way they play it is just really funny and sweet and like I don't know, I like that part.
1: There's a damn tarantula, so that's a <laughs> that's a no go for me. I instant hate that <laughs> like no. So yeah.
0: let's let's then talk about like least favorites I already mentioned, um the one where Viola's friends come in and pretend to be like in love with her as Sebastian and then she dumps Monique and everyone's like, oh, toxic masculinity. Yay, you're our favorite person now. That's one of my least favorites. Any anything that's your least favorite? Or is it just the whole movie?
1: Uh the whole movie, but truly, um, I I get really sad seeing parents that don't like see their kids. Like the mom doesn't it wants her to be this good girl debutante and doesn't give a crap about her da- daughter's soccer that makes me sad this dad, where the heck is he? He shows up at the end. Um, also Sebastian and his, you know, love for music and he wants to pursue his music and he has to sneak away to, yeah. you know, a gig. Um, that just bums me out. I want to be the parent who, even if it's something I don't understand or that I have any interest in or don't really like, I'm going to make every opportunity for my kid who's interested in that thing and show interest in that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of storytelling trope, I don't like. And yeah, this Bums is
0: not right. a very active or responsible adult presence in this particular movie. Yeah. yeah. The, like you've got the parents are kind of like absent or not really seeing their kids for who they are. The principal's like, like a little inappropriate. So, so <laughs>
1: weird. The
0: coach, like, it's great that the coach lets Viola keep playing as a girl, like in the movie, like the her new coach at Illyria. But like, then he's prior to that, though, he's always like, people are playing like a girl or like you're an antsy boy and like using that kind of gendered like insult against the team right so he's like he's allowing her to play but he's also like embodying these stereotypes in the way he talks to his team so yeah there's not a lot of adult presence that's admirable in the movie I think you see like a science teacher for like two minutes who's just like a normal teacher <laughs> I know <so. laughs> I
1: knew you're gonna like that one I was My like, like there's that's a real teacher. teacher.
0: She doesn't get to do much, but goddammit, she's acting like a teacher. She was... represent! Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my... let's see. My least favorite thing is, other than that scene where Sebastian's, like, breaking all the girls' hearts, is you the way they portray the Eunice character, who's the nerd with the headgear, they portray her as, like, so just weird and like Mm -hmm. exaggerated she's made to be both like the nerdiest dorkiest looking person ever and then also just like really overtly sexual and like desperate Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like and honestly I think that touches a nerve in me because I always was worried that I was going to be seen as that when I was because I was considered a nerd and so I was like actually kind of recoiled and tried to like not seem interested at all because I was afraid that people would see me as that kind of like trope of like the really gross nerdy girl hitting on me. Isn't that disgusting? Like I actually like people would find out I had a crush on them and be like, ew, like at times in my growing up. So I, that really touches a nerve with me just because I think it's gross. Like most girls who are nerds are just like normal girls that just get labeled that. And like, like really, they don't, yeah. like, they don't have to be like super exaggerated like that. And like, if they like somebody, they behave in a normal manner, <laughs> like a normal person, <laughs> they probably, they're not going to be like trying to date just any person either. They're not going to be des- so desperate. They're going to be like, Oh sure. I'll date this guy who thinks I'm disgusting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it yeah. bothers me. It really bothers it's, me. They do yeah. end up giving Eunice like the guy that said that thing about her. Why can't I date Eunice? They do end up like kind of like putting those two together at the end, mm-hmm. which I guess is something, but then they have her say, I know
1: tricks. Yeah.
0: she's still being like overly sexualized and made to seem kind of like weird and like super freaky or something instead of just a person.
1: I know. It's just unfortunate. Like not everybody wears headgear, but like it's an awkward stage. Stop making it worse than it has to be. And you know, the headgear
0: character that Joan Cusack plays in Sixteen Candles is a good example of how you can do that right. Like where she's like a normal person. She has a headgear, but you keep seeing her trying to use the water fountain and having (laughs) trouble. But she's like a normal person. You're like, she's cool. You know what I'm talking about?
1: I know exactly what you're talking about. That's fantastic.
0: (laughs) Okay. And then this is my most favorite and my least favorite at the same time. Okay. This is the movie's attempt to shoehorn in a Shakespeare quote to this movie. So this quote that we're going to play was originally, um, Malvolio is saying, reading this from a letter that he gets the letter is purportedly from Olivia in the original play and purportedly being like, you're like, I'm in love with you. And like, you should act like, higher than your station, and and then I will approve of you. Anyway, it's, it's originally attributed to Malvolio via this letter in the play. But in this one, we have Duke Orsino saying this when he finds out that Viola is really a girl about whether she should continue to play.
1: Just like what Coach says before every game, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. And some
0: have greatness thrust upon them. I think the best chance for us to be great
1: here today is to have you play.
0: So, so my, my quote my quoting answer to this is uh, some movies are born with Shakespeare quotes, some movies achieve Shakespeare quotes, and other movies have Shakespeare quotes thrust upon them. <laughs> and I think this one is in the latter category. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It's just like oh, it's the
0: boy. only Shakespeare quote. It comes out of nowhere. It's not like in 10 Things I Hate About You where they're seeding the movie with like Shakespearean dialect throughout right. the movie, which really worked. When uh-huh. you seed it in more than once, like a lot throughout the movie, it works. But here it's just like this is out of nowhere, right? Totally. My- <laughs> so bad. It was so bad. But Channing Tatum, he delivered that line. <laughs> he, did, he did his best.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs> Sophia's like, not so sure about it. Not even Channing Tatum.
1: I, yeah. No. Not okay. Even. Well, it makes me want to watch a Channing Tatum film. Oh my God. You got to start. Okay. So let's do our double feature
0: recommendations. Like we're already going pretty long. So let's just, should we go, yeah. do you have more to say or should we go to the end for a double? I rom- have nothing more to say. Okay. So my first double feature recommendation then will be a Channing Tatum movie and it will be The Vow because if you're a rom-com person, it's more of a rom dram. But there is some comedy and it's just like, it's very romantic. I would put it very high on the list of most romantic movies. Um, he's in it with Rachel McAdams. I think it blows the notebook out of the water. Like it's very loosely based on a true story. So it doesn't have a lot to do with the re- original story, but it's just like so good. And they have such good chemistry and Channing Tatum is so hot. Like he's not one of the main actors that like I would have a crush on or something. But like when you see him, you're just like, yep. Hot. <laughs> and charisma, so much charisma. So, like, I think he can pull off a lot of things that lesser actors can't.
1: Um, I recommend going with Twelfth Night um, from 1996. Oh, That's cool. A ver- mm-hmm. That's Anyone the version I want. Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Ben Kingsley, Toby Stevens. It was good. I liked it.
0: Yeah. And you did more to prepare the Twelfth Night angle than I did. So, thank you for that. My pledge. It was great. Another one I recommend would be Sydney White with Amanda Bynes. So it's not the best movie, but like if you like Amanda Bynes comic acting, which I liked, I think you would also like Sydney White. I, the funny thing is I did not realize until halfway through this movie that it was supposed to be Snow White. So it's also a modernization of a fairy tale this time. And like she's she ends up living in this house with these seven dorks in this movie because she doesn't make this sorority with these very snotty people. And the the main sorority leader has like a hot or not app on her computer where she's always rated number one. And so it's like, it's a lot of plays on Snow White, but it Amanda Bynes is really charming in that movie as well. So I think it would be a nice two modernizations of different stories that you could watch back to back.
1: Nice. Uh, I also recommend Shakespeare in love Mm. um, for, I think gender bending done well. Um, and it's just beautiful It's such a glorious film and, and a lot of fun with uh, in terms of like, you know, it's w- William Shakespeare writing plays and like the things that he picks up in life. And he's like, oh, good line. And you know, he somebody says something in the square and he's like, I don't remember that line. And yeah. so his life as a writer and falling in love with, uh, you know, a woman out of, his class and who's betrothed to somebody else and all that yeah. good stuff.
0: Yeah, I remember that movie being quite good. Yeah,
1: yeah, I really like it.
0: And then, like I, another good double feature would obviously be like a, a ge- another gender bending movie, like Sophia said. Um, so. I remember liking when I saw them, just one of the girls and just one of the guys. And again, just one of the girls has an early Alanis Morissette pop music in it. So that's another, but you can only really find it by looking for it on YouTube. It's not streaming anywhere. And like, yeah, but if you do find it, it's, it's kind of funny and it's got Corey Haim and, but my all time favorite gender bender is Victor Victoria with Julie Andrews. I don't know if it would make a good double feature with this one or not, but like, it's a really good movie on its own. Yeah. so, This has been a very long, unless I take it out in the editing, this has been a very long episode of our show, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, If you have any questions or comments or want to give us feedback, please feel free to email us at feedback at everyromcom.com or you could find us on Facebook at um, everyromcom podcast and blog or Instagram at everyromcom. And if you want to help support the show, the best way you can do that is by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and giving us a rate and review. So please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please go ahead and do that. Thank you very much and hope you enjoyed the show.